Welcome to Going Off Track. Hi. Hi, Brad. Hi. How are you doing, Jonah? Doing okay. Yeah. Uh, What's going on? Well, I had a little adventure the other night. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, Do tell. Sadly, it was two days after I did my first ever stand-up set, and I couldn't integrate it into things. But uh, I, I've been having some problems with the, the front door of my apartment. and uh, Oh, I know this problem. Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me about your menage a trois or something. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Too bad. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about... Yeah, so I was like messing with my door and ended up... The short version, I was ended up getting locked outside my apartment. My key wouldn't work. Like, so I couldn't get into my apartment. I was going out to the show, and I was like, ugh, what do I do? So I ended up going down into my basement, going around into the backyard, and, like, scaling the side of this building and, like, hanging off my balcony. Like, literally, I was, like, hanging off my balcony, pulled myself up somehow, got inside, was like, ugh, I did this. Like, I can't believe I did this. Like, I'm never going to be able to do this again. I can't believe it. And then realized that now I was locked inside my apartment. (laughs) Door still wouldn't work. So I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do. So I was like, I can't like I can't get out. Is this are you giving us your stand up routine now? No, this is a, this is like <laughs> this is literally just happened like two days ago. So luckily my neighbor across the hall was like coming home and I was like knocking on my own door from the inside, like, hey, hey, hey. And he's like, I don't know this guy at all. He's like him and his girlfriend or something. And I was like, Hey, I'm locked inside my apartment. He's like, Oh dude, something like this happened to me once. No. So he's handing me like screwdrivers and all this stuff from his balcony to mine. He's he's working on the door. I'm working on it. We can't get it. It's like he's there. These people are so nice. Like 45 minutes. Eventually, we get like a wire coat hanger and end up somehow like getting the door open. But he's like, dude, if you close it again, it's the same thing's gonna happen. So I ended up. Um, I wanted to go see cursive. I ended up. I was so mad. I missed this other show, and I was like, fuck it. So I just like. took all my valuables and like put them in the basement in my storage room locked it and just like left my door unlocked i was like no one's gonna know well that's like the front door of the building's locked i was like no one's getting in here unless it's an inside job you couldn't tell so and then the next morning i got my lock fixed everything's fine now but it was literally like i went to the bell house the next night and people were like were you here last night and i'm like no i got locked inside my apartment and there everyone was like what and then i had to explain this whole story okay what go ahead wait the the last part is that so i want to get my neighbor a gift for helping me and this dude took so much time but i'm like what is the right gift for helping someone try to bottle of wine wine? that's what i was thinking too it's universal right what kind of what kind of wine is there a particular just get him like go to go just go to a good wine store that like you trust you know and just ask him, say, I want to get, like, a, what's a really good, like, you know, $30 bottle of wine? $40 yeah, bottle. no boxes. A bottle, for sure. Get him some boxes. I don't know. Boxed wine. I I have to add to this, Jonah, because this is the first time that I heard this story. But Jonah was here at Converse Rubber Tracks, where we currently are, which has an awesome recording studio. He was here with his band for the first time. This is true. Last week, was it? Yeah. And the first day that he was supposed to come in and record, he called me to say that he was locked in his apartment. It happened to me actually so, three times. This was, but so there's no pity for this story from anyone. Yeah, it sucked every time. <laughs> One time I was able to throw my key out the front window, and someone could open it from the outside, and then someone came before you could at least open it from the outside with the key. Then it just stopped working altogether. Anyways, it's fixed now. It's fixed now. So, and yeah, so I'm in. I'm in business. I can. I can freely come and leave whenever I want. You are like you're a Kramer. I'm real independent now. You are. You're a Kramer. But I also feel like sort of like almost like I'm traumatized. Like every time I leave, I'm like, is this gonna work? Am I gonna? Am I fucking stuck here? Am I gonna be able to get out? I mean. So I'm I'm slowly kind of reintegrating into society. Great podcast we have today, by the way. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, but before we get to that, let's, let's talk about prop some vendor. Yes, um, Commonwealth Press. How, that was a great transition, wasn't it? <laughs> Our sponsoring um, some episodes of the podcast, as you probably already know. They're um, great sponsor because they really 
don't care what we do. Yeah, they've been cool about it. I mean, don't move the mic; it might make a, oh, sorry, might make a noise. You're right. Uh, yeah, they've been they've been awesome. Um, and what do uh, they do? What do they make? They print T-shirts. They make merch. They make merch for for bands. So if you're a band. Or maybe you're having a party. Maybe you're getting married and you want to go get like all the girls yeah. in your, uh, you know, you you want all your bridesmaids to wear the same t-shirt let's, at the wedding. Let's get real. <laughs> like you're not making any money off album sales. You're not, you're not recouping anything. No one's, everyone's downloading your stuff for free or streaming it. So you got to make money off touring and merch. And your t-shirts had better look good. They better look good because no one wants, no one wants a fucking shitty t-shirt. Right. So go to Commonwealth Press. They're the best. They are the absolute best. Um, go to Commonwealth Press uh, slash podcast, and uh, you can get six free shirts to your order, and um, they'll know that you came from us, which makes us look important. Now, now today's guest. Finally, today's guest. Today is a awesome podcast. It's kind of kind of more serious podcast than I guess. You would guess by the the whole rest of this intro, <laughs> but yeah, today's guest is Andrew. Got to balance it out. Andrew McMahon from um, you may know him from Jack's Mannequin, Something Corporate, or um, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. Um, and he came on with guest host Vanessa Bayer, my sister from Saturday Night Live, and uh, the reason, kind of the reason, Vanessa's a fan of his music, but the main reason was because they both kind of they had both had cancer as childhood sort of like Vanessa as a teenager and Jack had it in his early 20s I mean Andrew excuse me Jack's mannequin Andrew McMahon had it in his early 20s uh so they talk a lot about their experiences getting sick how maybe it influenced their work later on and kind of made them appreciate things or you know they both do a lot of work with with charities and stuff now and uh yeah I feel like it was a really really cool conversation to be a part of so ladies and gentlemen Andrew McMahon Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Uh, we're here with Andrew Mann. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. And guest host, Vanessa Bayer. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, so what's going on, guys? Andrew, you're, you're in New York. I'm in New York, yeah, hanging out, doing a little promo and have a, like a, a group of friends who do a bunch of Broadway, they do a bunch of Broadway shows, so they put it together like a little, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Like it's Broadway Sings My Songs or something. So I'm going to go. Whoa, that's way. cool. Yeah, I'm psyched. It's like a supper club at 54 Below or whatever. And we're going to, so that's what I'm kind of in town for. And then heading to the UK for a short tour. Wow, that's amazing. So it's other people sort of covering your, is it Jack's Mannequin it's, stuff or your solo stuff? It's or? everything. Yeah. So they basically, they take the catalog from the last, whatever, 14 or 15 years they basically pick they pick stuff off of every record and they do I want to say like fifteen or sixteen tunes and it's uh, like a handful of young Broadway stars get up and sing the song so it's the first time I've actually gotten to be they did it one year before where I couldn't be there so this year I actually get to be in the audience and see it and I'll get up and sing a few with them as well oh, and these these kids must be so excited for you to be there I'd imagine I I mean I guess I I was I was probably more, I'm probably more excited than they are you know like I've I've never been in a room watching other people sing my songs you know usually it's me so so I I'm I'm pretty excited to see what it what it looks like especially with like the the theatrical element and like actually having kind of like Broadway voices do songs that weren't written for Broadway you know so I, I think it'll be fun. Wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. All right. No, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like this. This is a good dynamic between you two. Yeah, we had like we we've done some. We've done a bunch of podcasts together. We did a live one where we, whenever Vanessa's on, we talk about like TV a lot. We yeah. talk about a lot of nineties TV, and then someone suggested we have a podcast that's just talking about nineties TV. Yeah, I feel like it would be like a really niche thing, and it probably could only couldn't have more than like two episodes. It'd yeah. probably be really successful. I mean, I don't know. I feel like the nineties are so somehow relevant right now that i think it would probably do pretty well you know what we were talking about the other day and you you said we didn't talk about this in person though do you remember those boku ads with richard lewis <laughs> where it was like this it was came like up on book. twitter no it was like what is boku it, boku was like juice boxes but were they alcoholic no they weren't alcoholic <laughs> yeah, but they, they were like marketed towards adults and it's like 
they were like white grape and like raspberry. That's and they had Richard amazing. Lewis as their spokesman. He was like, I wanted a Boku. My girlfriend said, like, I do remember yeah. this. Thank I you. absolutely do remember this. He's like, I'm at a party and a bunch of friends are drinking wine and beer and I want a Boku. <laughs> it's like the most. Yeah, that's the most bummer ad. You could, it's like, yeah, that, who's it the actually, guy drinking the Boku in the corner? And it was like so, so obvious that they were like, it. say he like would have to say adult eight times, and he's like, and there's no straw. It's not a juice, but it was like so <laughs> funny. Then somebody found it and posted it. Yeah, yeah. See, like for me, the one ad that I remember from growing, I guess it wasn't the 90s, it was probably the 80s as a kid, was like, does anybody remember Polio String Cheese? Does this ring a bell with anybody on earth? Okay. What was the commercial? It was like, it, it was like, some guy would be like, hey, Palio String Cheese, like, bellissimo, magnifique, c'est, c'est bon. Like, and it was a bunch of guys you know, like in bad Italian accents saying how much they like this string cheese. And I ate it. Like, I, I bought it. Because of that. It worked. I, I made my mom get me Palio String Cheese, like, and I ate it religiously. I don't think so, but I, do you remember that? I feel like this I is something we would I remember. I, I know. I'm really disappointed in us. I, maybe Me if too. we watch it. Because I will say, I kind of remembered the Boku ads. But once I saw it, once I saw the actual thing, I was like, oh, I remember this. By the way, like every interview I've done this week, I've like asked people about it. Because I'm Boku, because I'm losing my mind. And so Lord, you actually pulled the ads up and you yeah, yeah, you've yeah, revisited Yeah, them. Laura Jane Grace had no idea what it was. But she was like, I didn't live in the States when I was. Yeah, I, I mean, feel like. They, they were pretty. Po- that was a pretty popular commercial. Yeah, all right. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna have to dig in after. Check it we, out. after we get off here. Yeah. Um, a lot of like. Um, and we were just talking when you came in. We kind of were together on the Warp tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the first year I worked on it for AP was 2002, which we, was the year that something corporate okay. played. It was like kind of one of our first big tours. We had just we just put out the first something corporate record. I think like maybe a few months before that tour. Um, and yeah, gosh, that talk about like. A interesting place to cut your teeth yeah you know, especially with like a piano i remember the first day we i showed up on stage and i was like why are there like there were all these like little rocks and pebbles sticking in between the keys of the piano and we had like we just hired our friends to go on tour with us because we didn't have any money you know and and i remember like getting on stage and i could barely play the piano because all these rocks and i said to my my tour manager go why is the piano all screwed up and and they all kind of start like looking the other direction and turning their heads. At, you know, it's like what happened. And the in the as they're forklifting the gear, like you know the warp tour, how they like they'll come forklift your gear from your the back of your van or your your trailer or your bus or whatever. The piano like <sighs> nosedived off the front of the forklift on its way to the stage on like day one, and it was it's kind of a metaphor for the for the tour uh, for me somehow. Gosh. But that's I mean, but what a great place to like learn how to be in a band on tour for sure. Yeah. It was so funny because yeah, like we were talking earlier, like there was so much, I remember it being like a thing. I was like, it's something corporate. Like, are these guys punk? Cause like they have a piano and they put their stickers on it and like they're on drive through. So I guess they kind of are, but, and it was like, it was so funny how that tour like was like, cause at that time that tour was kind of changing into like something else anyways. Yeah. I think it was, I mean, especially in those days, it was all about, what label you could apply to a band, you know, was it emo? Was it punk? Was it hardcore? Was it post-hardcore? You know what I mean? It was like, it was all these, you know, and, and here we were like, I just grew up like listening to Billy Joel and Elton John and, you know, whoever. And, you know, I, I had, you know, obviously Blink was from San Diego, which was an hour from where I was living at, in high school. So, I mean, I, I was, all that stuff was on my radar and, and, and I guess pop punk to some extent was like on my radar, but we didn't know who drive through was before the band got signed. And, and, um, and we didn't, I mean, I never in all the, in all the shows that we played leading up to getting signed, not one time did anybody ever call us a punk band. I mean, there was n- like, it just was not even a thought. And then we signed a drive through and it was like, there's this piano punk rock band from, from so, and you know, and, you, and I laugh because I mean, even to this day, like I, in my most recent single, I like reference being in a punk band just like as a joke because I never really was, but everybody thinks I was, you know, but yeah, you know, it, it worked out in our favor. We had a bunch of these punk kids like show up to our shows and we had people moshing during ballads and stuff like that and, and crowd surfing and it was it definitely made like playing in a band that people thought was a punk band a lot of fun yeah it's weird how that stuff like it makes it like okay for people to like it like it's like mm-hmm. if they had never would listen to it and they're like oh this is on warp torrents on this label like i can give this a chance totally well i think all those it, it's so funny if you really look at that scene at least circa 2002 when i was in it it was really just 
young kids singing love songs like against a like a, a you know a double time beat you know it's like we just didn't really have the double time beat but i think we sort of got to the i think we just sort of got to that the niche of kids who really were into it because of the lyric and because it was young and it was like about being a kid like you know starting to you know date girls for the first time or whatever you know i, th- I yeah. think i think those like those lines ran through it enough that people were like yeah yeah it's a punk band and we love them and and of course some, a lot of people hated us too which you know was you know, like I got like ice block thrown at my head at one of the. No oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I mean, it was funny. I mean, you, know, the, 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 you get like that's the other thing about the warp tours. You get used to people doing like pretty horrendous shit to you on stage. You know, like, and you just go like, oh yeah, it's normal. Like if the entire audience flipped me off at the end of the show today, or like, or like if I got like almost knocked out by like an enormous block of ice. Like, save where do you get an enormous block of ice at the warp tour? But. um yeah, I feel like it's someone. Everyone would. Love yeah, you had to that. go to some so trouble hot. probably to to get that and bring yeah. it up. I think. <laughs> I think. Dedication. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> there was that too. It was like we got to take these. We got to take these guys out. But yeah, like I, there was a day that we played. I mean, it was you know we got stuck on a stage where it rained outside and everybody got stuck inside and we were on like right after. I don't know if it was like no use for a name or like somebody who was like a much harder band than we were and their whole crowd was like penned in stuck watching us and i was like oh this is gonna go really well um but for the most part i mean it was all fun i i think i think all those things are like the great those are the great stories you take from a tour is like the shit that goes wrong anyway yeah yeah and then and you played the ally thing for jack and rachel of course and uh you did a couple songs and you did a something corporate song with one of your old bandmates too um on the wait at the at the at, show at the show I feel oh like yeah no you brought, Bobby Bobby came out well, so yeah, yeah. Bob, yeah absolutely so Bob came out um, right Bobby played at the Ally thing okay he, yeah that's right uh, so Bob basically he joined something corporate after our guitar player Will left okay and and kind of was like our hired gun and then and then that was sort of right as we were all you know tensions were a little bit on the rise and we were just burnt out and trying to figure out what we were going to do next and then I started Jacks. And about halfway through writing and recording the first Jack's Mannequin record, um, I mean, Bobby, just knowing him, is like he was such a great guitar player. You might remember River City High. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Bobby and Jay, my drummers, who's still my drummer to this day, uh, they played in River City High, which was like... Really? Another, yeah, yeah. Were either of them the dude who had the cowboy hat? No, the cowboy, <laughs> they, neither of them wore the cowboy hat. But the cowboy hat is discussed on a, on a fairly regular basis uh, <laughs> amongst all of us. Um, but yeah, so... so I brought Bob in to play uh, towards the end of the Jack's Mannequin record, and then when Jack's came together, we brought in J Mac uh, to play drums, and and that was sort of the core of of Jack's after you know after that. Okay. Yeah. And then so these days, do you mostly perform kind of solo? Yeah, I mean it's 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 funny. Like I mean, I have the band with me. Like so, J, actually, Jay and then the most recent bass player from Jack's Mannequin play in this band and then we have a keyboard player a guy named Zach Clark who's also a really talented singer songwriter in his own right um and and so yeah we travel we travel as a four piece and that's how we do most of our shows but but I go out and I sneak out and do a lot of this sort of like one off solo stuff I I do a lot of I have a foundation that 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 raises money for young adult cancer so like I'll go out we've done like I don't know, four or five shows in the past six months or so where I'll just go out with me in the piano and, and, you know, or do like, we did a writers in the round with uh, like Glenn Phillips from Toad the Wet Sprocket and Brett Denon the other night, you oh, know, wow. out in Michigan, like, um, love Toad the Wet Sprocket, BT dubs, right? <laughs> yeah. I had their album. Was it those walk on the ocean? Was that the yeah. walk on the ocean? Yeah, that was a good one. All uh, I want. All, all I, I want. want. Something's always wrong. Remember that video? Mm. that video do you remember that video i don't remember the video it's like people for sale it's like almost home shopping and it has like each like person and then they're like rotating it's like i was also very into home shopping by the way not what they were not what they were trying to get across (laughs) (laughs) but i was very into that song and i remember my friend got me the album that had those other songs that had um all i want and stuff on it and it didn't have the song something's always wrong and i was so bummed out about it yeah, I grew up, I like grew up like on those song? records. It was cool to play with him. And like, of course, the first song he plays, you know, we're all on stage doing like a writers in the round. So it's four of us. And the first song he plays is, uh, I think he played, he played either All I Want or Walk on the Ocean yeah. first. And I was like, oh shit, great. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. We got to follow the guy who just played like one of the biggest hits of, the, yeah. of, of like our upbringing, you know, but 
he's ta- really talented. Oh, I love that. I, I really was very into that band. Uh, in case people are wondering what's happening now, we're getting coffee really from Stumptown. Yeah. Stumptown. <laughs> this is the moment where we plug Stumptown coffee on the podcast. Thanks, from, Portland, from Portland. Portland. I was going to say yeah. Portlandia. From Portlandia. Portlandia. Um, wow, that is crazy. Yeah, so yeah, he would he would kick off with All I Want, and we were just like, all right, great. You know, what song are we going to follow this guy with? I was glad to be f- like three seats away from him, so yeah. you know, usually it would it would you know sort of be okay by the time it got to me. But um, but yeah, so I try I try and sneak out and play as much solo piano stuff as I can too. That's awesome. And Dear Jack is the name of your foundation. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and so Vanessa is going to get into that. A cancer survivor. Really. Yeah, well, this is a crazy story. So Jonah interviewed you, I think. Probably. No? I don't know. For AP or something? Yeah, Probably. That, that makes sense. Yeah, at some point. When you were sick or when you were kind of... Reco- I, I'm not sure exactly what stage you were in yeah, at that yeah. time. But I had leukemia when I was in high school. And I, I wrote you an email. And I don't know... And I actually... Part of the reason I was late is because I tried to find the email... In my old AOL it was also account. probably sent to like band at some probably corporate sent to my old AOL But I don't account. even know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is I don't even know. How, Jonah and I were just texting. I don't know how I had your email. I don't know. And I don't even know if this really was your email. Yeah. To be totally honest. I, right, right, right. Because like part of me is like, I feel like it's an email that I got from reading the article. That, but that that's not right. Because you wouldn't, no one would have printed your email in there. I would but I feel like I, I, I definitely emailed you, but who knows what, or I emailed what I thought. Yeah. What What did you say? Because you can just say it now. I d- that's why I wanted to read it to you. <laughs> yeah. I thought that would be... But I think I was just like, I'm Jonah's sister. <laughs> this guy who you like tangentially roughly, know. Like, I can kind of remember my thought process was like, I'm Jonah's sister. I know that, like, you're, like, dealing with leukemia. Or you yeah. just, and, like, I had leukemia. If you ever, like, need help with Oh, any, my God. Like, I would have I yeah. really appreciated having <laughs> yeah. actually had... Cause that's a crazy thing, right? Like when you're when you're young and you yeah. get it, it's really weird. You don't have a lot of there's not a lot of connections back to people who've right. dealt with it. How old were you? I was 22. Yeah, so I feel like this. There's never. I was thinking about this on my way here. Like, there's never obviously a good time to have it, but there's pros and cons of like each age. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was 15 when I was diagnosed, so like I was still living at home. Right. And like I, so in some ways, there's it's just like such a different. I mean, still, but you're also still, like, but you're also going like you're in high school, yeah. becoming an adult. You're going, I mean, God, being in high school, talk about like what's yeah. harder than being in high school, being in high school sick though. You totally, know, like, totally. I mean, that's the whole thing with the foundation is like, that's what we try and focus on that 15 to 39 age bracket, yeah. you know, because there's all these psychosocial issues that go along with it. There are all these things that happen that, that aren't necessarily relevant to like pediatric cancer or getting cancer right, as an older right, right. adult when you're kind of already where you've had kids or you've done you know you've done all these other things like um but yeah but that's sort of where obviously that was all born out of god i wish i had read that email it would have been good to, I would have been good still, to have a friend you know what back i'm gonna still try and find it i looked the problem is, is i'm gonna burn aol right now Uh-oh. aol at least in the past <laughs> like you know how with gmail Plug in Gmail. Hope I get some stuff from Google. You know how in <laughs> Gmail you can like search forever back? Like you can go like it's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that any others... Or at the time... Like AOL's not like that. Like I don't even... I go to my old mail and it's empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just clears itself out or something. Wait, so do you still have your old AOL? I do. Yeah, I can't believe you still That's know your I looked, there were four. There were like 14,000 emails in my inbox and I didn't look at any of them. I literally last year, my mom was like, hey, we need to get rid of your old AOL. Or it was maybe two years ago because I just like kept mine forever. I thought I was the last person to actually have an AOL email address. Uh, Our dad is and he still uses it. (laughs) He tried to use Gmail and it was like too confusing. Are they still paying for it though? This is the question. Uh, Okay. I don't know. Here's here's what I... I don't think our dad... (laughs) I don't think he's paying for it. That's a great question though. But he's definitely paying... For a service that like protects his email that we told him is total garbage. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and I know he listened like, to this. To protection this. sweep. Yeah, he was like, you should get this thing. It's like they can't steal your identity or hack your email. And I was like, this is like such <laughs> bullshit. Like you should not give these people your money. By the way, he's also always like, I got this email from from Chase. It They wanted me to like enter in my like Chase <laughs> account and password and my social security number. 
and I think it's spam, so I'm not going to do it, and I want to let you guys know it's out there. And we're like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to like... I also think Gmail filters that stuff out. Yeah. He said it to you. He said like the warning, just so you know, he'll this is say, going around. Yeah, like, he'll like always warn us about stuff. He's that looking we're out like, for us, which is, is nice. Yeah. Thank you, Dad. Sometimes I think he gets mad because we make fun of him, but it's out of love. <laughs> yeah, he's like, look, the, the Prince of Namibia just sent me an email <laughs> yeah. saying that if I send him ten thousand dollars, I'll get a million back. I don't think. Yeah, it's legit. I don't think it's real. <laughs> There's also some other scams. By the way, I don't think he's unique in being like a dad that does that. No, I think I think also as you get older, too. you well, because yeah, it's. We're more the internet I think you generation. just get a little more paranoid, too. Yeah. But, yeah, there's some stuff, like, if someone rear-ends you, like, and you get out of your car, they'll, like, carjack you, so, like, look out for people rear and you're just like, what? Like, I don't have a car, like... <laughs> That's amazing. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Vanessa does a lot of stuff with Make-A-Wish. Okay. We've done, we've had a few Make-A-Wish uh, uh, kids come out to shows, and we've, oh, cool. we've, hosted, we've hosted a few Make-A-Wish yeah. at, at, at gigs, which, I mean... I think any organization that's, I mean, it's, with that stuff especially, it's like, it just, it's its huge to have people doing that. Well, we actually, I went to Hawaii with Make-A-Wish. Yeah. When you were sick. When I was sick. Yeah, our whole family went. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I was sort of done, I was sort of like finishing up my treatment, so I was in pretty good, um, pretty good health shape at that point. But like, yeah, we they sent us all to Hawaii. A limo took us to the airport. It was so fun, remember? That's so cool. Yeah, I don't remember the limo. A limo pick, picked us up or something, and um, and remember we were in the presidential suite at like this hotel. And remember the first night, mom and dad went to dinner and we ordered room service. Vaguely, and this was like twenty years ago. It was ago. so fun. That sounds. It awesome. was. I remember it being a fun. Trip. It was really cool. So how does that work? Like you, you write them a letter or something. And you say this is my you, wish. Or yeah, you, you, you contact. You just like call the office. You contact them, and you don't have to have a really big. Um, a lot of people think that it has to be like. Basically, the kids have to be like dying to right. do it. You just have to have a life-threatening disease. Mm-hmm. I think just you know, of course, yeah. Um, but so. Um, so you contact them and then they come meet with you, like two wish granters come meet with you and then they ask you, you can like go somewhere, get something or meet someone. What I've found out since is that if you meet someone, you can also go somewhere to meet them. So that's ah, kind of a trick for anyone. Work in the system. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, like we have people come to SNL and they're like, got a trip to New York. And it's like, oh, you got two things. <laughs> but, oh, I blew it. Smart. But, yeah. But we went to Hawaii. A lot of kids at that time were getting computers. I remember that was a big thing because it was when, I'm sure people, kids are still getting computers and stuff. But computers, remember at that time, were like a million. They were so expensive and right. they were enormous. Um. But uh, And you almost wanted to meet someone. Oh, this is such a good story. I feel like I'm going to tell this again at the Make-A-Wish Gala, but I don't mind previewing There's it. probably not going to be a lot of crossover, <laughs> yeah. to be totally honest. I wanted to Touché. meet, I was a huge My So-Called Life fan. Oh, yeah. Even though this was, in retrospect, several, several years after My So-Called Life, but I was in love with Jared Leto. I really wanted to meet him. And so part of, I was thinking about having my wish, my wish was going to be to meet Jared Leto. And then I told my parents, I don't want to meet him because I'd rather meet him when we're peers. Which, like, I respect that. Yeah. Okay. Very confident team. <laughs> you had a vision for yourself. That's good. You need that. And then, and then when I was, two summers ago, I was presenting at the VMAs. I introduced Miley Cyrus as Miley, and he was presenting too, and so like we re- and we we're sitting in the same room. We really were like peers, and that's when I met him and I told him that story. Isn't that crazy? Well, it sounds like you got so you got two wishes. Yeah, you know I mean? like you made that wish that you long <laughs> game. You right. long game that wish. You know what? You're right. I did get two wishes. Yeah, so I worked the system too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like the, that's like you secreted that. Wish, yeah, you know I secreted I mean? that, that one. Yeah. That's true. I did get two wishes, but um, there it was just crazy because someone pointed out too that. This is not to burn 90210 or like other shows like that, but like it's just interesting that like people that that he's was on a show and or just that he is someone who's still in pop culture. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's like not only did whatever a lot of things had to come together for that to happen. Yeah, but I guess I got to say. And you told wish. him? This, did you tell him the story? Yeah. Was yeah. he stoked? Yeah, he thought it was really nice. I can't, I think I told him. Like I know. I think. The girl I was with, who's like our publicist, told his publicist, and then I think I told him, or she told him, 
It was so loud. It was like a very weird scene. And we were sitting next to like Daft Punk and they were like wearing the <laughs> mask. Like it was like a really like surreal just kind of that vibe. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Did you talk to Daft Punk? Do they talk in the helmets? Is I there, like- fully thought that they were higher. They were like, like I thought they worked for like the awards show because I didn't, I wasn't familiar with their look. It was like me and then Vanessa's friend Julie and then them and I, they didn't really talk. They just kind of sat there like straight ahead. But like... <laughs> But yeah, those masks were so crazy. When they like things, they nod. And when they a, don't, they shake. A their little heads. bit, but like they just kind of sat there. And then like Richard Simmons was sitting in front of us. But he was like dressed up in a dress, like a woman or something for some reason. Like there was like, yeah, I remember Lady Gaga was sitting near us, and she was wearing. It was when she was wearing like almost like a bathing suit, and she, like every time she stood up, you could see her butt, and it was like. It was just. I definitely miss that. Yeah. Well, it was just really like she was kind of dressed like a mermaid. Okay. And it was just really like all I could think about was good for her. Number one. Number two. The seats were really cold. And I was like, "You're <laughs> sitting." It's like you know what I mean. It's like sitting yeah. on a toilet seat or something that's like, but colder. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you, going back to yeah. when you were sick and stuff. Yeah. Do you feel like any of your Cause I know, like I've I've written like stand up and stuff, like mm-hmm. that kind of like affected how my like creative process a little bit. Oh, yeah. Do you think? Did you write any stuff about that, or did you? Yeah, is, that, yeah. Am I, is it like am I very? Yeah, no, yeah. no. There's like so it's funny because I had a real struggle writing music after it happened and figuring really? out how to approach it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I wrote tons of. Yeah, I wrote journals worth of worth of stuff that, like, even to this day, like, I go back. It's like eventually I'll put a lot of that stuff out in some yeah. form or another because there's a lot of really powerful, well written stuff that I. But it became hard. I was like, I write like pop music. Like that's what I do, yeah. you know. And and to try and find the form for that was really tricky. It took a few years from the time that I, you know, got sick. The first record came out wet on the day I got my stem cell transplant. So like, Whoa. so did you? What did you have? I had ALL. You had ALL. Yeah. Yeah. And you had you got a stem cell. I, my sister was my was my was my wow, match. I yeah. had ALL too, but I I didn't. The key that you did like the three year chemo regimen. Yeah. yeah, that was the if if my sister hadn't been a match, like they did they That's didn't check so the they didn't check the the they didn't look for matches anywhere else. They're like, look, you have one full blooded sibling. If she's a match, we'll talk about it. And she just happened to be a perfect match. So how long was your treatment? It was about a year from start to finish. Wow. It was fast. It was relatively quick because the tr- stem cell is like, it's the immune system reboot. So once, once you're transitioned off of your, uh, like immunosuppression and all that stuff, it actually becomes, um, you know, you go f- for checkups and stuff. But what the, year was that? It was 2005. I wonder if, cause I was diagnosed in like 1997, I think. I wonder if that's, if that hadn't, wasn't like an option yet or something. Well, yeah, well, I think like I had a really aggressive doctor, you know, and okay. I, and he was like in his whole thing. I mean, he, he, he I think he took a, the road less traveled with me quite a few times, you know. Okay, and, and I, I, I actually got like second opinions that were like, "Don't do a stem cell transplant." And my doctor was wow. like, and "My doctor is like, I really believe this is your cure. I believe this is the right thing to do." You know, but you have to make the decision. But yeah, it, 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 there were a, I went to a couple different places because once you find out what what goes into it, the transplant, it's like yeah. that's also very scary. You know, because um, if it doesn't work, it it shortens your it shortens right. your lifespan by a lot. You know, whereas if you do the chemo regimen, even if it's not successful, you might have a handful of years. You know, right, left. right, right. So th- that became the deal, and I was just like. Let's swing the bat. You yeah. Know? And, and, but yeah, I don't think it's commonplace to look for a transplant first round. That's what I think. Yeah. That That's what I think they said to us was yeah. that in, unless I had a, like if I had a recurrence or something, it's, they would do it's that. more, yeah. it's viewed, I think, I, and it's changing. I think it's evolved over time. Yeah. Right. But I think at the time, even when I was being treated, it was viewed almost as a last resort if yeah. chemo doesn't work. Right. Um, but it's like anything, like if you do the transplant second. Right then it's less effective. Right, right, right. If you do the chemo after the transplant, it's less effective. Right, right. So his whole feeling was like, he was, it was an odds game for us. It was like, well, he's like, I think your odds are better if you do this. Yeah. You know, but the odds, you know, you know, know, it's interesting. either way. It's interesting because people will be like, you can't, leukemia is like just a thing that you can't really get diagnosed 
early. It's not staged. Yeah. 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 Because it's like in your, was it in your blood when you were diagnosed? Sorry to Exactly. No, no, it's fine. No, uh, it was. Yeah. Mine was weirdly only in my bone marrow. Did you know that? No. It was not out in my blood yet, but. I feel like that's, or at least that's how. Is that how yours was? I feel like it might've been because they, I mean. Because we did blood tests, but it wasn't yeah. until we had to, I mean, I they had to they give had to you a the bone, bone marrow test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are fun. Yeah, I guess that, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that's that's how, I mean, that's how it all went. But to, back to your question, yeah. it took me a so, while. It took me a while to get yeah. to music. And I wrote like a lot of a record before I even talked about it. You know, like I wrote, yeah. I wrote half an album before I actually was like, okay, like one song finally kind of blasted through and it was just like, wasn't really about being sick. It was more about like having people like being tired of people talking to me about being yeah. sick. That was like the first thing that came out. It was kind of like, I don't need you to tell me I'm okay. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It, it was kind of, there was, I had a lot of anger. <laughs> you know, oh and, yeah, totally. You know, and, and I, I, and when I was like, you know, I made this, I made a record I was really proud of, you know, and you go into rooms and it's like, you're like at that point, you don't, you're not wanting to talk about being sick when right, you just right, right. started getting better. And it was like yeah. everywhere I went, it was the only thing I didn't want to talk about, which I now reflecting, of course I understand. Yeah, totally. And then now I'm like, I'm so happy to talk about it because it's important to me right, to right, talk right. about it. Um, but at the time, I think I was a little pissed, you know? Well, and, also it's a lot, it's, it's so, it, I think one thing about being sick that people don't realize is like, it's like you're sick and then on top of it you have like the second job of like making everyone feel okay and yeah. it's like that's really exhausting to yeah. like talk to everybody and be like I'm fine like 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 people don't realize they're giving you that job yeah, but, yeah, they, yeah. but it just it's cuz people care about you you know and of they want to know but like the the yeah it's like a, it's like a whole other element to it that's like very tiring yeah it's tricky but but you know but a couple of my favorite songs that I've ever written came out of that period of time and songs that like Time and time again, like I have fans come to shows and they're the ones that have those lyrics are tattooed on them. You know what I mean? And those are the, you know, because, because a lot of those songs ended up being like very much about hope and trying, you know, like, because even as, as, even though I got better quicker, I always, I just like, I might, you know, it it takes a while for your brain, just takes a while to bounce back from that. Yeah. And so a lot of it was like, I'd be super depressed and I'd like have to write a song to sort of, yeah. Get my way out. And I'm sure you probably used comedy in a similar way. Yeah. Yeah. it, It helps you process it and at least, laugh about it or 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 find a you know that little shred of hope or whatever it is um and so a lot of those songs that ended up on the second jack's mannequin record yeah. were really about that there's a song called the resolution there's a song called swim and then there's like some darker stuff a song called bloodshot that's like you know but they all sort of circles yeah that, that theme yeah you know i i i do stand up about it a little bit and i found what I had the similar, like I, when I, I didn't start doing stand up until much later, okay but or m- much after I had it. But like I, when I got on SNL, I stopped doing that stand up for like, kind of like, I yeah. didn't want people, I didn't, I just, cause like when you're doing something, you just like want, it's fine. Now I'm fine with people knowing, but I just didn't want it to become, I don't know. It becomes a, well, yeah. Like the hard. thing that's like sort of your defining thing. Totally. Of, yeah. I mean, I guess you already had a career before. Right. But. It was tricky. So, like I've known people who've had I like I knew a girl who like she didn't want to tell anybody that she got sick because she same same reason. Yeah. Didn't, and I, and there was just there was a point where I just switched gears and I was like, look, I can't change the fact that like th- from a from a human the human side of this like people want to talk about it. Yeah, totally. You know? and, totally. And so you know, I, I think the I I, I sort of re, re, you know re, I shifted my focus into being like, look, if you just have a long career. And if yeah, you, exactly. And if you continue to write great music and all your music isn't about this, let people talk about it. Yeah. Talk to them about it. And, you know, and that, you know, hence like you're doing the Make Wish stuff. I do the foundation. Right. You try and find a way to parlay that conversation into like, well, here's what I'm doing to make a difference since this isn't currently my plate. Yeah. You know, it's, it's somebody else's. And so we, we, right, you know, right, so right. we, we steer our focus towards that. And it makes it easier to have that conversation when you can say, well, go to the website. And if you really are curious about this, like, Donate a little bit of money. Yeah. Make, make somebody else's yeah. day a little bit better. Um, but yeah, and again, it's like after all these years now, it's like, it's such a part of me. Like, and it yeah. really, it, I, yeah. it may, you know how it is, it makes you who you who are. Who you are. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and I'm proud of that part of me. There, I ran from it for a while, but yeah. now I'm like, this is great. Like, there's so many good things came out of it. I wouldn't have had this baby girl that I have now. Like, it was like, I mean, you know, like I joke, but it was like, it was banked sperm from before my transplant that like led <laughs> to having this kid you know and it's like now it's like all these things have started to come together yeah but i don't know were you rah rah about like like 
I know some people are like, don't, does, isn't life, don't you just see it so much more? Like, yeah. you know, like, isn't it everything so much clearer now? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah, I, I'm always like, yeah, I feel like I should like not be stressed out so much that like, I don't like about the dumbest stuff all the time, but I am. But I do think like, I do think I agree with you that it brings that, like, I felt like part of the reason I went into comedy is because we were joking around about it in our house so much and stuff yeah. and with my friends. But also I think it also just naturally brings out parts of your personality that like right. makes I don't know if you felt that like it made that part of my personality I, I don't know like it brought it out more or something yeah the the alcoholic portion of my personality came out pretty <laughs> successfully in, in, in the intervening years that's pretty well under control at this point uh, but yeah it, it does though you find you, there's an edge to it too like there's yeah. a lot you know like we joked about it constantly like to the point where I I made people uncomfortable like like yeah yeah but it, but it was like you have you have to laugh you have at to it. and I think also that's a really good way to not alienate yourself, which is like an easy thing to do because yep. people don't know what I, I found people didn't always know what to say around me about it. And then if we would joke about it or if I would joke about it, yeah. then they would feel comfortable. Like it would be like, oh, this isn't a thing that's like off limits that I have to like. Totally. You know. Yeah. Um, very cool. Cancer bitches. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to hang out with you guys more to go to the places that you go. <laughs> sounds, oh my God. It sounds pretty entertaining. Yeah. It's pretty fun to hang out with us, I guess. We are try- we are trying to get some kind of award for oh, being yeah. good siblings. The well, best hang. Jack and, Ra- Jack and Rachel. Jack and Rachel got this like coolest siblings in New York award or like. Well, they were written this up. This in- they, yeah. they must have created this award it, just for. Maybe. No, there was no. It wasn't an award. It was there was an article in like in like uh, Time or something <laughs> that was like ten coolest sibling pairs like in New York, and they were in it. And then my friend emailed me about it, like, after it came out. And still, I, like, tried to, us, to get us in it. And it was like, uh, that's not how it works. Like, once, like, a magazine comes out, you can't, like, insert well, yourself into it. Will- there's, like, ten, there's, like, ten notable sibling yeah, awesome I guess so. uh, and, they were number were, one. Uh, subjective. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like we will still send messages. Were to, they like, number one, or was was there a ranking? They, yeah, there was a ranking, and they were number one. But Vanessa like will sometimes like email her publicist, like, "Hey, like if that How sibling thing this? comes out again, like just here." It's like, just like I feel like there isn't a whole lot of sibling. Maybe you could write it, Jonah. You could write a thing about that. Maybe the only way it happens. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should just post. Like, make your own magazine. Right. Cool siblings. Yeah. It's not like an official thing. Like, anyone can... Oh, by the way, we got to record that song. When are we going to do that? Tomorrow? Yeah, we're we're in a band, too. Okay. Do you want to record it? I really... I, I... We can talk about this later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> I like hanging out with you guys. Yes. Really but let's put the focus good. back on you, Andrew. Oh, yeah, please. Guys. Gosh, I was hoping you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, see this Broadway thing coming up? And then, like, what do you sort of do when you're not kind of on tour or writing like what kind of stuff do you kind of do just for fun to relax obviously you have a kid so that must take a lot of your time it does that's like it's crazy i mean i guess i assumed it would take a lot of my time but it takes a lot more of my time than i even assumed it would but uh but yeah so it's basically hang out with them and i'm truthfully like i'm like they're here i actually they were gonna come oh, my no wife way. and my daughter were gonna come here and there was finally like maybe like a proper nap in a in a in a space like she took her last nap at VH1 so so yeah we, we just, are they close though they could come we just we just yeah. take the train over oh, yeah. yeah yeah so so she's she's napping uh, back at the hotel but um but yes yeah, so, i mean obviously that takes a ton of time truthfully since i guess i don't know june it's been either tour or writing or promo or something like that and um you know when i am home it, when I do have time, it's like I, I do yoga. We were talking about that before, so I I try and practice as much as I can, um, and and really just kind of hang out and, and enjoy, you know, what little time you know I do have to kind of hang yeah. home. But I also like I've been writing a ton while I've been home and going to Na- I've been going to Nashville and doing writing trips in Nashville, and that's been a lot of fun. And um, you're just trying to keep it. You know how it is. It's like when you're creative, if you let it, if you let it sit because you're working or say you're running around like i'm not writing songs when i'm when i travel really because i don't have access to a piano in a hotel room right, which is right, the way, right you know it's like i don't have a guitar i carry with me on my back and just sit down and write so i try i try when i get back to like really keep 
keep focused and, and, and keep writing as much as I can. Where do you live? I live in a in a town basically halfway between San Diego and Los Angeles. Oh, great. So, yeah. So I, 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 I go, I work in LA a lot, but it's What's far it called? Enough. Where it's called you... San Clemente. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's just a little, it's a, it's, I think it's like one of the last great California beach towns, you know, where oh, it's like great. You, you can still, you can walk everywhere. The traffic's not horrendous. Like it's a, it's a well-kept secret up until this podcast. Thing. <laughs> is it near Bolinas? I don't know where Bolinas is. I have a friend who just went there. It's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it, if it is, if it is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd be surprised, but even us are really bad at geography. I feel like. uh, I'm worse. I'm so bad. At I it. know of Salinas, but yeah, I know of Salinas too. But it's different. It's different. Um, <laughs> There's a B in this one. When you go down to Nashville, is that mostly writing with other people? Like, or is it most? Is that because I know a lot of people do that? Yeah, I mean, it, truthfully, like I, I've been writing. Like I, I, I think I started. You know, when I started writing when I was nine years old, and it, really the process was like get in a room by yourself and and bang it out. Um, that sounded pretty good. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. If, if, if uh, no was, pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but you know, in the past few years, like since getting phone calls to write for for other people and do things like that, and like you know, writing for I wrote for TV for a little bit and. I've just been having more fun getting in the room with other people and sort of, you know, vibing off of what somebody else has to, you know, has to contribute and, and seeing how that turns into a song, you know? So, so in Nashville, it's just something I started, like I had family move out that way. So I was like, well, I'm going to come out here and just write for a week and did five sessions in five days and like met a ton of like amazing people who, um, you know, who have like a great work ethic, which is kind of why I was really into being down there. Um, so I'm going back in March and, you know, right with a couple of people that I, I really took a liking to while I was over there last time. And, and, um, and yes, yeah, sort of see if that turns into a record. Like I'm trying to write as much as I can while I'm still working this record in hopes that like I finish working this record. And yeah. It's like, oh, look, there's all this material over here ready right. to go. You know, I, it almost never works like that. But, but, uh, but I just feel like the more good songs I have, the better off I am, you know? So. There, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to ask if you're hitting up South by. I'm not going to South by this year, right? Am I? I've got my manager in the room hanging out here. Yeah. Nobody gave him a mic though. Good. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I might be gone during South by. We're doing a bunch of festivals. So we're doing Coachella and we're doing- Govball? Uh, what's that? Are you doing Govball? No. I'm starting to act like Janessa. You're it's talking in weird music Gubball. industry type lingo, which is- South by? Yeah. Just, I'm, just ke- I'm just keeping up. Jella. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we'll do some festival stuff. Uh, I, I'm the only the ones I'm doing, I'm doing Firefly, um, Big Guava um, in Florida, and then Coachella, and I think maybe Summerfest in Milwaukee. But I don't know if that's come together yet. Are, are we allowed to say that? I don't know. I never. We know. can edit that. We out. can edit yeah, it out. Whatever, whatever you want, man. I'm the, I'm always the guy who blows it and like tells yeah. people what fest what, what festivals I'm playing ahead of time. I, mean, I, I always call my agent like the next day. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just announced on the radio that we're playing Coachella. <laughs> I'll pretend I didn't hear that. Um, but but yeah, so it's that doing a bunch of radio st- shows and then we'll gear up in the fall to go out, back out on on tour again. Awesome. Now, me and Vanessa took piano lessons growing up. <laughs> Did you ever? And we both kind of like, like most people, I feel like just I know, we kind quit. of stopped I and wish, we'd still wish you hadn't. Did you ever have that period where you were like, I hate piano, like I don't want to do this anymore when you were younger, or no? It's actually, it's really interesting because my parents, they got, my, my sister and I are a year apart. Okay. Um, so when I was in first grade, my sister was in second, they signed us up for piano lessons. And I, from the beginning, hated it. And my my sister loved it. That's kind of how we were. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, I really liked it and you didn't like it. Yeah. I And, I, and my parents were really cool. Like, they didn't, they weren't like the kind of parents to be like, you're taking piano lessons. You know, like, I had to stick with it for a couple of months or something like that until it was finally just like, he doesn't like taking piano lessons. But I had always liked t- tinkering at the piano and had since I was a kid. And then my sister, you know, after a year or two, she stopped taking lessons. And then when I was nine, I... I had a, a buddy's dad taught me how to play like a like a basic like a simple chord on a piano. He taught me how to play a whole lot of shaking going on by Jerry Lee Lewis. And and with that I started writing songs with the chords that he he had taught me. And then it was like I was in love with it. I was playing like six to eight hours a day every day after school. And, like that's when I got I was like from nine like nine was when I started. And then when I was ten I actually asked for piano lessons of all things. Like I know that 
that's not a pretty typical ask what a for a cool, kid. I bet your parents were like, this is great. Yeah, they were. I have, I have four older brothers and sisters who probably thought less of hearing the piano eight hours a day after school. But but to my parents' credit, they like anytime somebody told me to shut up, they were they would be like backhand and be like, "He's doing something that he loves." You're, you know, like they always carved out a space for me to do it. Um, but yeah, like it was always a like a point of contention with my sister and I because she like her friends they yell down the stairs like shut up Andrew you know because I would just sit there playing the same you know how it is right. working something out you're just playing same thing over and over and over again um we had some version of that with your bands yeah, yeah. but it was more like hardcore bands and like in our basement in our basement <laughs> and yeah. my dad would yell <laughs> oh I I can only imagine Nothing like a teenage hardcore band in your in your in your basement. So loud, yeah, so loud, and I'd be like trying to do homework. Evanessa was a really good student. I, I mean, not so much. Yeah, the so. the hardcore band was either a reflection of that or maybe contributed to that. Yeah, yeah. But you were fi- You were so smart that you didn't. It didn't matter. Kind of like you still did fine in school. Yeah, I mean, I feel like high school is like you. You just have to kind of remember stuff. That yeah, is like, not true. That's coming from a really smart person. Like, I feel like if I study, the reason I got such good grades is because I studied really hard, but you could kind of like not study and do like <laughs> get okay grades. See, I got good <laughs> grades, but I just got good grades because I learned it was, I just learned how to be political in high school. You know, like I learned how to, okay, that teacher is definitely not going to help me out this year. So like I would just, I'd, I'd start a semester of school and I'd change like half my classes before the first week was over because I'd know like I'm not going to be able to work this teacher. They're not going to let wow. me. Like that was how I spent my – because I had to – because, you know, you yeah. were in a band. So you know what it's like. You, if you really wanted to like go do a gig or if you had to – you know, you and you had to get out of school, there's a lot – you know, teachers aren't like – they're not cool with that. You right, know, but, right. But I would, I would ultimately find my way to teachers who were like, this kid's creative. We're going to like, you know, yeah. let, him, let him slide on this. and. They're all listening now. I'm sure going like, you can't, you know, but, um, but yeah, that, I think that's like really what I learned most in high school. Cause it certainly wasn't how to do math. Cause that is not, yeah, those things are not my strong suit. I've sort of forgotten long division. I gotta say. Oh, I definitely have forgotten it. I don't think I ever knew it. Did you know mom is really good at math? <laughs> no, Vanessa. That's really interesting. What else? <laughs> my mom is really good at math too, you guys. <laughs> How she at word jumbles? Well, just like every, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. So you have how, how many? You have four siblings or five? I have, I'm the youngest of five kids. Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. My mom. Uh, I have three older. I mean, when we call them half half. There, I mean, I just call them my sisters. I have a sister and two brothers that came from my mom's first marriage, but they grew up in the house with us. Okay. So when I was bo- I was born, and they were always there. So it's, yeah, I almost didn't even realize. I think until I was, you know, seven or eight that they that they weren't my full siblings or whatever. Um, and then my sister and I are from my my mom my mom and dad. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of a lot of kids in the house when I was growing up. Wow, that is so crazy. It was fun though, like you know, especially like as as far as music goes, having. Because I was probably what five or six, and all my brothers and sisters were teenagers, or my or the three oldest were. So, like, when I expressed an interest in music, I was always getting exposed to whatever they were, you know, whatever they were into, or whatever was really happening in music then. So, like, as a really young kid, you know, they were giving me, you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker records, and they were giving me U two records, and and you know, and uh, Talking Heads, and like all the, you know, anything that they were getting their hands on, they would feed back to my to my sister and I. Um, which I think made it if it made it really fun to grow up in a house with that many people because there was always there was always good music and you always were kind of like jealous of people being able to like leave the house of their own accord and right. and whatever. But uh, but yeah, it was it was fun to grow up in a crazy Irish Catholic house. You know, you like went to a lot of Phil Collins concerts. My first concert you? was Phil Collins. I loved Phil, Phil Collins. Your- was like literally my hero as a kid. Jonah has a Phil Collins shirt that I got at that show. It was a But Seriously tour. Okay. It was 91. Oh, wow. And Do you still wear yeah. that shirt? Yeah, I stopped wearing it, but I kept... It was, like, disintegrating. You have to keep it around just so that there's... Yeah. You, yeah. you can't lose it all. What's yeah. crazy is that he didn't put the cities on the back. He just puts the countries he toured and, like, the flag. <laughs> and there were, like, 25 countries. And some of the countries had, like, different names than they have now. Well, like, look was, at asshole movies. Like, I'm so big, I don't even list yeah. the states. It's just, it's just too many countries yeah. for us to get. That's amazing. And my second concert was actually Genesis on the We Can't Dance Tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but my third concert was Guns N' Roses Skid Row on the User Illusion Tour. 
And I often awesome. say that was my first concert. <laughs> Dude, you and gotta you gotta claim. I know. You gotta claim that. As I've gotten older, I've actually realized that Phil Collins is actually way cooler than I thought he was. And at yeah. the Guns N' Roses concert, you've probably told this story on the podcast. Oh yeah, before. I got a bloody nose before the concert and uh, purposely bled purposely onto his jeans. Drip the blood all over my ripped up jeans because I thought it would look cool. To, it, it did. <laughs> it did. But it did. I, looking back, I was like a 13 year old kid with like dry blood all over his <laughs> jeans. Like I was like, this will look tough, right? I mean, at the time, also was, for hygienic reasons. Like, yeah, it's it's gross. <laughs> I think it, I th- um, I, I think you earn a pass on that. But but, but yeah, he, actually, but our mom took him. I actually wrote a piece about Phil Collins for Vice for Noisy, um, like last year about how uh, actually like what an interesting guy he is, and like sort of how kind of deep his music was, and sort of the idea that like I don't think someone like him could be a pop star now, like this kind of like. balding middle-aged guy like songs like another day in paradise that kind of like makes you feel guilty about like homeless people like can you imagine that kind of being like i know there's people like susan boyle and stuff but i feel like like the way he looked and the content of his songs i love that you just compared phil collins to susan Boyle. well not not in a negative way but i'm saying that like most i feel like pop music now is so based on aesthetics right and i feel like there's a few people like that where they're just normal looking people yeah well i think i mean the thing is, that dude was so good. Like I, I, again, it's like yeah, I'm, I people will say it's my guilty pleasure, but I have I feel no guilt about it because like I, I really think. I mean, yeah, there was certainly like some records that had questionable taste and things like that, but he made so many records and he yeah. made so many great songs, and he was fantastic at so many instruments. You know, I think that's like the thing that's like now you think it's like oh Phil Collins was like that guy played. He, you know, he played horns. He played he played guitar. He played keyboards. He played drums. He, you know, he was like. I, I'm geeking out on Phil Collins right now, but like that was definitely some of the first stuff I listened to as a kid. Like, and probably the stuff that people would consider questionable. Like, I liked like Billy Don't Lose My Number. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you yeah, know, like, yeah. like I loved those tunes as a kid. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. Like, I can't imagine. It's hard to imagine that aesthetic flying now. But maybe if if they were that good, maybe it wouldn't matter. Who knows? Maybe I would hope to so, but yeah. I, I don't. It feel like what about the- like Billy Joel? Like. Do you think that's different? That was my first concert. Really? Billy Joel Reverb Whoa. Dreams Tour. Oh, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. I, that was It was Billy Joel. And then it was James Taylor. And then it was R.E.M. on the Monster Tour were my first three. Really? Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Mine were... Was, oh, sorry. No, yeah. Lilith Fair. Lilith Fair. Yes. <laughs> went to two Lilith Fairs one, con- one summer. I went with you to one of them. Yeah, you... I won tickets on the radio. Jonah won tickets so on the radio. Is this in your hardcore band days, too? Like, Yes, yeah. kind of. So you couldn't tell your friends that you were there. It was the best having Jonah, Jonah taking me to a Lilith Fair. Because I was... My first CD was Tori Amos Under the Pink. Okay. Then, like, I had, like... I, like, was listening to Sarah McLaughlin all the time. And, like, I feel like... Yeah, I just um, was very into that stuff. And... You won tickets on the radio to go to Lilith you Fair. And took yeah, I think that they were what like, a, you I was are like, the best brother well, sister I, team I, here. I was, yeah. I was sitting at home, probably definitely not doing my homework, yeah. like listening to the radio. Vanessa was probably studying. Yeah, and I called in and went. And if we could talk about this on the podcast before, I had my first ever cappuccino there, which is all I <laughs> yeah. remember about the show. I remember Vanessa was like, do you want this thing? It was like, out of my machine. By the machine. way, Lilith Fair, the only like outdoor concert festival that has cappuccinos. <laughs> and I was like, this yeah. is like hot chocolate, but tastes kind of different. Like, I, that's all I remember was like, yeah. oh I didn't God. know what a cappuccino was. <laughs> that's incredible. Everybody's sitting around sipping cappuccinos, <laughs> watching Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. What happened that's was incredible. I did this summer program at University of Michigan and they took us to a concert. I did this three-week program, and it was Lilith Fair. Okay. So I went to Lilith Fair with them, and then I came back from the program, and you took me to oh, so Lilith Fair. So it was the Fair. same lineup? No, this slightly different. Okay. Maybe same headliner. It was, you know Natalie who else Merchant, performed? My Vic- other face. Victoria Williams. Do you remember yeah. her? Yeah, I'm not familiar with She sang with Pearl Jam. Yeah, she covered... She sang that song. They covered a Pearl Jam. Uh, they covered one of her songs for Sweet Relief. It was like some charity for like... She had like... Yeah. Multiple sclerosis or something. She had multiple sclerosis, right? Yeah. Yeah, she performed. She was really great. And uh, Fiona Apple might have been there, although I don't know if she was... I don't know. But what was it, what was your first concert, Non-Lilith Fair? Non-Lilith Fair? New Kids on the Block? Nice. No, I almost went to New Kids on the Block one year for my birthday, but I wanted... Um, 
a curling iron or something, or crimping. <laughs> I wanted like a crimper. When faced with the choice, you know. <laughs> To curling me, like, iron or like I, on the block concert. I couldn't wrap my head around the idea of not having like this is true I kind of remember feeling like I couldn't wrap my head around the idea of not getting like a thing for my birthday that like I could a like physical, have tangible like object a, yeah like the idea of like going somewhere like didn't like register see to this me is back as... to the make a wish thing because like if you had just thought to go to <laughs> yeah. the new kids concert and say you wanted to go and get a, get a t-shirt shirt. at the new kids you're concert right. you're totally you, would right. have had, you would have covered all your bases uh, you know? you're totally right <laughs> um i feel like i went to a dave matthews band concert with my friends and was very like mad at myself yeah you didn't, you didn't like it well, it just, they were so into it, and I liked being like, I liked being like, I like the music Jonah likes, and I was like, I was like very like, this is okay, even though I was kind of into it, I think. I would go like to like Bad Religion shows and get yeah. Vanessa t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. I went to a lot of Jonah's shows. Yeah. And... How often did you, did you play out a lot? I played in like just really bad, like hardcore bands. We would just play like local places. Yeah. You played, I mean, you played kind of in... Coventry and stuff. You played at cool places. We played the. Have you, I'm sure you played the Grog Shop before. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'd play there, but before it actually used to be in the other end of Coventry, and it used to be like really tiny. Okay, I don't know. That was probably like about ten or eleven years ago. Okay, and I'd like take my friends to Jonah's shows, and they'd be like really freaked out. Did you ever have like a phase where you listened to like really heavier music, or was it more kind of the I was adult always tempo? Total wuss when it came. I mean, truthfully, like. It, Probably later, you know, like once we started playing with a lot of like a lot of different punk bands and things like that, like then I probably got, you know, into, but even that it's like, you know, like Alkaline Trio, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. You know, I would get into the bands that we, that we would tour with. Um, I mean, I, I mean, of course, like Bad Religion, like I grew up listening to Bad Religion, like everybody did in Southern California, you know? So there were, there were certainly like, there were certainly bands and like I loved Rage, but primarily because like the guy who like was the only guy who, who I was friends with that had a car insisted on playing nothing but Rage Against <laughs> right, the Machine. Right, so right, eventually right. I was like, I love Rage Against the Machine, you know. So it's not like I've ever, uh, you know, I, I've never had like a no, I don't listen to, you know, to hard music, but I've never really I think I've always like I've always liked the idea of like, you know, getting deep with a song, you know, and I, and I was never one of these kids who like had to go rage to like, you know, to to connect to to a song um but that said like you know i'm trying like i i saw reviews refused at coachella like a, a couple years ago and it was like one of the best shows i've yeah. ever been to and i like got as hard like as far into the middle of that crowd as i could so that i could like just get beat up because it was so much fun um so yeah I, I i'm i'm definitely not against it but i never like had like this is my favorite hardcore band or anything i feel like i've gone the other way in like the last couple of years i've gotten more into like bruce hornsby and like yeah. steve winwood and don henley and all this stuff i totally. kind of like wrote off i'm like sounds are really good yeah it's you know it's like i was always the kid listening to that music when it wasn't cool <laughs> like I, I was like this is great and people are like what are you you know but i never really cared you know and 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 uh, you know that there's probably some sort of you know line through my career that that makes perfect sense how I was that kid, but uh, but yeah, like I, I as a piano player, I don't think you, you, it's it's harder to find. You have to like really look to find other piano players and guys who are doing that. And so I think I just always you know always gravitated towards like, Ben Folds. You know was huge for me when I was in high school. It's like yeah. oh my god, there's a guy playing rock music with the piano. This is amazing. You right. know and. But before that, it was like it was like Hornsby. You know, there was like a huge lapse in like who's really like the guy carrying the torch for like piano players and rock music. Um, so yeah, I was always sort of focused on that. I think you know, like, I loved Semisonic when they came out because they had like a hook in their a piano hook in their in their hit right. song. And you know, like that was always big for me. It was like, where can I hear piano on the radio? Which got harder and harder like towards the end of the nineties <laughs> when yeah. we actually started. Like when we started playing, it was like wow, we're really alone out here for a second because it was all like stained and puddle of mud and Limp biscuit, And, you know, it was like, oh man, how are we ever going to like put out records in, in this environment or whatever? Um, but that's probably how, because there weren't a lot of us. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie World's Greatest Dad with Robin Williams? No. There is an incredible Bruce Hornsby like through line in it and cameo. Really? Yeah. I don't want to ruin it for you. Okay. But I just rewatched it. It's with Robin Williams. It's like um, Bobcat Goldthwait wrote it. It's okay. kind of dark dark yeah, comedy yeah, yeah. it's on netflix but it's a good movie though right i feel really like, I, like good I, I feel like when he passed away that was like one of the movies that kind of came up as like you know as 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 this sort of you know sleeper hit kind of vibe yeah it's really good okay cool. but it's really dark but yeah bruce hornsby is in it and it's like it's amazing 
Yeah, my uh, my tour manager has a great Bruce Hornsby story. Where it was like he was working the door at Alley Cats in Richmond, and Bruce Hornsby came. Like it was before he didn't know who Bruce Hornsby was. He was like into he was into like metal, and that was like his thing. And the guy gets he gets to the door and is like, you know, I'm on the list for tonight. He's like, oh, what's your name? It's Bruce Hornsby, and he's like, okay, I need to see your ID. <laughs> and and Bruce Hornsby didn't have his ID. He's like. I'm sorry, I can't let you in. You he turned Bruce Hornsby away from the. Are from you the serious? Game. Yeah, totally. He had no idea who he was, and he got in a bunch of trouble with the club. <laughs> you know, like eventually he came back with his ID, though. He was like really sweet about oh it. He God. didn't make a thing about it. You know, like, but I guess he's like seven feet tall. Like, I hear he's like really? a really tall dude. You know, yeah. I just watched the video for The Way It Is, oh. the music video. It's, cr- it's incredible to watch now. Well, you're t- speaking about like pop stars that, that maybe would have a hard time. Yes. Now it's like, that video, I mean, he's got like a curly mullet yep. kind of, and, and it's like all these like session guys just like kind of sitting around a room. Like it's very, S- yes. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, the song's about like racism and like all these social issues that are kind of depressing. Totally. The lyrics. Yeah. The lyric, we did it. We covered it a little bit on our tour in the summer. Really? Yeah. Which is like mainly just cause I was like, I have to, I have to try to figure out how to play some of this. Cause it's just. He's such a, he's, he's the best. I mean, he's just one of the best piano players. And so, so, and I had to watch that video like a thousand times as I'm like trying to figure out what he's doing. And you can actually pick up a decent amount of the solo by watching his hands really? in the video because they shoot right over the top of his hands, like on a, on a, uh, uh, whatever you call it, a track kind of vibe. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, uh, I had to laugh though seeing that video. It was like it's it's pretty hysterical. The bass player's like sitting on his amp, like playing this funk bass. <laughs> totally. And, like, yeah, it's it's good. I'm thinking I want to. This should be my next music video. Something like exactly like that. But I might have to have the curly, like just add the curly mullet just for fun. <laughs> Do something very 80s session band video. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Wow, we talked. I forgot we talked so much about Bruce Hornsby on that podcast. <laughs> that was uh, amazing. Hey, and Jonah, he said the word. He said Bruce Hornsby, and then spilled coffee all luckily over his this coffee is, isn't hot, <laughs> Luckily, this coffee isn't hot at all. Um, well, let, let me explain what just happened. Brad told me earlier not to touch the mic. Uh, I was out, I was out very late with with. Uh, the cursive guys last night um, in the basement of St. Vitus. Now you have a wet crotch. And literally, I was, I'm a little bit fuzzy. I realized I was touching the mic, was like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this, ripped it away, and then poured coffee on my crotch. So I'm glad that to close out that, that, that interview with two incredibly successful people. <laughs> with I can't even keep a drink in a cup. Like I said, it's all about balance. You know, you yeah. have to balance things out. I'm balancing it out. I feel like I'm really balancing it out today. But uh, thank you so much, Andrew, for coming. Uh, he's playing Coachella in April, which will be awesome. Two weekends in April, I think the 11th and 18th. Uh, his album, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, is out now. Uh, his uh, charity is Dare Jack. Um, thanks to Vanessa for coming by. She has this incredible web series called Sound Advice. Mm, um, funny. I, I've heard it's good. Um, you know, I don't need to tell you about her. You know, she she has a lot of great stuff coming up, too. Um, I think. Uh, yeah. So thanks, Vanessa, for coming. Thanks, Andrew, for coming. Uh, if you want to donate, support this podcast, you can go to goingofftrack.com. Or um, you can buy your T-shirts from or you can buy your t-shirts from commonwealth press slash podcast get six free shirts there you go uh leave us a nice review on itunes uh we're on twitter instagram i don't know i mean you can find us on that stuff if you want we're easy to find we're easy to find um brad's not so easy to find brad has a little (laughs) bit of i don't know what brad does when he's not here (laughs) but uh yeah uh thanks for listening and we'll be back next week (laughs) 